Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Amanda Stroni on with us. She provides yoga teachers, healers, and spiritual creatives with the tools needed to achieve financial freedom. So welcome to the show today. Thank you, Andrea. So glad to be here with you. Yes. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, Amanda, and how you kind of became into that yoga field and the spiritual uh, field. I don't even know what to call it. Spiritual wellness, all of that field. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, it's interesting. You know, I feel like I've had uh, almost sometimes I think about like a past life before I entered into this life. Like there's so many things that I've done that have led me to this place that I think are important lessons and skills that I've acquired. Um, so I started working actually with high school students in education and then transitioned into sales and then was in financial services for about 13 years. So I feel like I always have this background in teaching and, and wanting to connect with people in that regard. And then just using the skill set that I had from business when I first, I've been practicing yoga a long time, probably 13, 14 years. Um, and then I went through a pretty, um, bad breakup in my life and my personal life and had to relocate. And then I just decided to do my teacher training. I started to get into yoga more. And when I started to explore the community, the yoga community, I realized there was this disconnect a little bit between the business side of it and the actual spiritual side of it. And there were a lot of people that were passionate about helping people, but didn't understand how to how their finances worked or how to make money or how to balance their finances in any way. And so they were constantly just chasing the next thing and teaching all these classes and burning themselves out. And so I just noticed that and realized that I had this skill set, this subset that I had acquired that would maybe benefit people that if I could sit in that space, because I too was on this spiritual path and this journey into yoga and felt really passionately in the practices and the teachings. And so if I could meld the two together and give people that perspective, um, I felt like it would be beneficial because I feel as though the people in the spiritual wellness community aren't necessarily going to reach out to like a financial advisor because they feel intimidated. They feel as though like that person is not really going to understand the whole, um, whole view of them as a person. So, um, yeah, that led into me just starting my own business and working with clients. I started just working pretty much one-to-one with people, a couple group programs that I was running, um, and really just gaining insight into what people needed. And honestly, I feel like I'm still in that place of, of getting the market research and figuring out what people are benefiting from, um, And so I continue to just work individually with people. I have my podcast that I run as well and, and just trying to figure out what people need, what people are looking for in this space so that they can be really financially stable in the work that they're doing to serve other people. I love that. One of the things that I always, I mean, maybe I read it online every once in a while, or I've seen or heard in my own, you know, yoga teacher journey is people are like, well, what do you say when people say yoga should be free? You know, what is kind of your response to that? Yeah, it's, it is an interesting question and it comes up because of the history of yoga, you know, and the offerings of yoga and the way that our culture then values, I feel like services, um, you know, a transactional product over a service. I think that's a component of it too. Mm -hmm. We look at, um, things that we can buy tangible items as having more value than services in just in general. I think that, that, cause we can see it, 
we know we're going to get something from it. Whereas with a service, it, it may take some time. It's a process. So people aren't necessarily as willing to invest in it. Um, but I don't, I mean, it's, it's an, it's an exchange of energy and it's something that people have taken time to do training for invested in. And so the idea that you would just give it away for free, um, doesn't really make sense. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that some people, feel as though um, they don't value themselves enough to charge for it. They don't feel as though they can charge for it. That's a lot of what's happening in the wellness space is people being in fear of the fact that they should be charging money for something that they're offering a service. And so it's their own, I feel like block that allows them to stay in that space of not charging or charging a lower amount. And then in turn, having the dialogue and the conversations to say things as, as like, oh, yoga teachers don't make money or people in this industry can't make money or, oh, maybe it should be free. You know, I'm not, I'm not qualified to be charging for this. So that dialogue becomes what runs through, I think the mind of, of some people that are practicing in that space. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to, I mean, I've taught classes for 14, 15 years now and you know, I was telling my husband, I'm like, oh, yep, I'm going to teach some new, you know, senior classes online, you know, and he's like, oh, how much are they paying you? And I'm like, ah, $30, you know, and they're for 30 minutes. And so, you know, 60 bucks an hour. And then I'm like, he's like, well, then I sat with that. I was like, that's a great point. Cause I'm like, my hourly rate is like 150. <laughs> so then you're doing the right. math and I'm like, okay. So then you have that, you know, kind of once you actually sit down and you're like, is this lucrative? I love doing it. Um, but then am I going to burden myself out? Cause yoga teachers, a lot of them that I know, you know, they might be teaching 10, 15, 20 yes. classes a week. Right. And that's hard on the body. Um, uh, but then you also add it up and that's hard on the pocketbook as well. Cause can you make a living doing that? So how do you kind right. of help people, you know, maybe up what they're offering? If there are some yoga teachers here that are like, oh yeah, I am tired of doing, you know, just, you know, t- trading time for, um, what is it? Dollars for time. Is that the expression? Mm-hmm. I think Yeah. that, you know, try, you know, if they're tired of that, what can people do to kind of up their offerings? Yes. I'm glad you brought that up too, about figuring out the hourly rate, because I really dive into that with people because it's also, you know, if you're doing something online, but if you're not doing something online in person, you have to factor in all the time it takes, right? All the time it takes to plan or prep. If you're working individually with clients or you're doing a group class, that's factored in. So, so sometimes we get caught up in the, oh, it's $60 an hour, but it actually took me five hours. And then it's not really $60 an hour. It's $10 an hour. And that's a slight misconception, you know, of just like the time that it act, that you're actually invested in doing it and what that equates to. So I think that's important to recognize for yourself. Um, if you're on your own too, looking at what you charge for yourself hourly, because it's not just the time that you're with that client. So that's really important. And to speak to your, you know, second part of your question, I think it's important to really look at, um, you know, what, what's going on out there in the market, like what you're charging, like what people are charging and, and what you feel comfortable as a value for yourself and getting really comfortable 
in speaking that outwardly to people and understanding, okay, this is what I charge, um, for my service and, and, and know that some people aren't going to buy it because they're going to say, oh, it's not worth it. You know? Um, and that's where I think it's great to ask people questions to understand why they feel that it's not, they don't want to pay for it because most of the time you're going to understand a little bit more about that person and what they're looking for. And you can meet them halfway if you need to. Um, but I think it's, it's really getting clear with yourself on your own dialogue, right? The way that you talk to yourself about, about your money and, and how you really feel asking for it, right? Asking other people for, for payments um, and then looking at your actual time during the course of the day and how you're spending it. And so with yoga teachers, especially it may be different now with COVID, but the running around to like five different studios and all these places. And then like, it's like, you really didn't make that much money for the amount of time you've exhausted and the resources you've exhausted. So finding a way sometimes to prioritize your schedule. So I work with people on that as well of like, how can you maybe chunk out time together or do this in a group, you know, and then, and then transition over here. And I think the interesting piece with yoga is that there's so many ways to incorporate it. And I think creatively people are doing that. So if you, you know, I don't really believe that just studio teaching is going to be enough to sustain. I really don't. Um, I think that people need to take a closer look at, at what they really maybe want to focus on, um, whether it be private sessions with people or figuring out a program, a type of group program, but just getting really clear, um, on how to maximize, right. Your time for how much you're making so that you're not burning yourself out and you're not just running, you know, from this disillusionment view of like, I'm just going to teach at a bunch of studios and make a lot of money because that's not really how it works. And, and at the same time, it's, it's that little bit of paradox that like, you have to start somewhere. So I get why people start in the studio space and try to build their own community and network. But at some point you have to be willing to really sit down with yourself and look at, okay, where am I going to shift things a little bit so that I'm getting compensated for the time that I'm in energy that I'm putting in. Yeah. I mean, I think this goes for like anyone in the, cause I'm thinking of personal training starting there too. It's kind of the same thing with group fitness. That's why a lot of group fitness instructors become personal trainers for that same reason is they're getting burnt out teaching those classes. And, you know, unless you're the group fitness manager, you're not necessarily making besides what you're making during your class time. And so there's so many, I mean, I think this goes for any of those, you know, wellness businesses, if that's, you know, what people are running. And I know there's a good chunk of listeners who have their own businesses. So I think this is super, super vital for that pricing. So that's one of the reasons I was kind of an outlier. I set my prices, um, when I started my business 10 years ago, now, instead of doing the you know, this is what I charge an hour. I don't do that. I do, this is what I charge a month. And these are how many sessions you get. And I did that. Um, I'm very grateful. One of my owners at anytime fitness, she kind of changed their business model to go away from that my last year of training there. And so that's kind of, it was just second nature. I'm like, okay, this is what the gym is charging. And they started doing 30 minute sessions. And I've done 30 minute sessions now for 15 years. Like I'm, I love 30 minute sessions. Cause I really, for the most people, they don't need an hour, um, you know, with a trainer that's my own bias, but I, you don't. Cause a lot of times you're warming up, you're cooling down. Like this could be time you could, you can do that on your own. So I'm like, let's get to the meat of it. This is what we do. Maybe 45 minutes. You know, I've had some clients, 45 minutes is fine, but 30 is ideal. So with that, I'm just kind of going through my own process just so other people can get mm. an idea of how this came about. But I'm like, all right, I'm driving to people's homes. So I will tell you how much I charged when I first started. 
I would drive to people's homes all over the metro. I'm talking these. So the Twin Cities where I'm living, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then the suburbs. So we're talking a large area. I would charge $140 a month for four sessions. So I would go to their homes, drive there, train them, and then get in my car, drive someone else. And then for two sessions a week, it was $260 for a month for two sessions a week. So, so cheap. But again, I, w- I didn't know. And I'm like, I, can I price myself higher? And then factoring in as it, as the years went on, I was like, okay, I'm paying for gas. Like I'm driving to them. Like I'm losing time in my car. So I, you know, I'm trying to plan clients according to where they live so I can make the most, you know, the most time. Otherwise I'm literally going to be driving from the East side, the West side to the North to solve. So this is kind of how it all came about. And then eventually I up my prices where they are today and I, they still are, and I'm not doing in person. This is all online. It's two fifty a month for one session a week, and then four fifty a month for two sessions a week. So I've increased you know, doubled basically where I started from. And that's kind of, I mean, that feels good to me. Those are good prices. And I feel comfortable with that because I'm doing backend stuff. I'm checking in with clients. I'm making workouts for clients. And so that's where I think a lot of the times with yoga teachers, with trainers, we forget that backend stuff. Yes. Of, I'm not just training them and seeing them. I'm actually doing a lot of work on the outside that maybe they're not seeing, but it is time. You know, that is what totally. I'm doing during admin yeah. hours. Yeah. And it, it's so important because we do, we forget it. And I think another piece that came to me when you were talking about that is to, you know, it's trial and error. You have to figure it out for yourself and experiment a little bit and also really check in with your market and to understand like the people that you're working with sort of where they're at, because for some, like, I don't think there's an all or nothing system. I really don't. I don't think I'd never want to tell people like you should charge this much for this because you could have, and I speak from my own self, like I do a donation yoga class, like pay what you can. And I'm compensated more than if I set Mm. a cost because I have people that are willing to pay more. And I've understood that. So I'm, so I say to myself, okay, if I were to set it at, you know, $20 a class, I'd actually make less because, and then there would be some people that wouldn't come. So Mm you know, it's, it's, it's lining it up with my values for what, why I'm doing it. And also seeing, okay, what are some people willing to pay? Who are my clients? What are they willing to offer me? How do, how do they support me? And then feeling that out for yourself. So it's like, everyone's going to be a little bit different, but I do think the idea of looking at how you're spending your time and making sure you're not Um, you're not doing a lot of things where you're not being compensated for, you know, and you're just realizing, oh, I, I, you know, I'm actually not making that much money. Right. I think people see sometimes when they make a lot of money, like, or they, you know, whatever a lot of money is, but say you make like, you know, 300, 500 in a session with someone or something, right. Like, or for, for four or five hours for some reason. And then it's like, yeah, but when you factor in everything that you're doing, it's really only this much an hour. And I think it's the, the you know, the awe of like, oh, I made this much money without really thinking about like how much time you were really there. You know, I'm like, wait, let me do my math here. I'm like, I need up my own prices. Right. I'm like, I'm not necessarily, I mean, I used to, but I've upped my own individual rate. But again, this also comes from experience. I've been in the industry 15 years. I am Mm -hmm. 500 hour yoga teacher training. Now I have a thousand hour Ayurvedic training, you know, right. Like all of those things can up your value too, because you have more knowledge to get out there. I'm pre postpartum specialized. I mean, I have 
two courses of that under my belt. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things, you know, I had a client in her sixties lecture me about upping my prices just because of that. She's like, Andrea, I don't know any other trainer who's doing this stuff. Like, you know, they're just doing their basic CECs, but you're doing other things and you're constantly learning and providing that value back to us, you know, and just kind of having that. Um, I think if you're that person and you're kind of like, is it time to up my prices? It might be. Right. I'm like, I haven't upped my prices in mm, four or five years. So yeah. it probably, and I think the, the other component to that is to check in with yourself, to see where you're at in your own life. You know, there's something to be said too. That's why, again, there is no all or nothing because we're all in different situations. Yeah. You know, if you're, you're choosing to lead a life of minimal you know, and you have your needs met, you have your basic needs met, and you're not looking to acquire tons of money. You know, you're just looking to help people. So you may say, okay, I want to offer some stuff for free. I want to lower my prices to help more people because I don't actually need to make this much money. And that's a conversation with yourself to understand how much money you really need to make. Because I think that's where right it all starts. If you know how much you need to make, you can figure out what you need to offer, how often you need to offer things, who, how many people you need. But if you don't know that number, you're constantly chasing after something that you don't even know. So obviously the draw of more money is just going to entice you. But then when you step back and you say, oh, I actually don't need that. Like I actually feel really comfortable and I prefer to help people, maybe help a few people that can't afford it or have a lower price point, then that's your business model. You know, you come into place with that. And I really strongly support that because I think that there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. I think sometimes we think that this like six figure and like all these things that are out there are, are the only way to go. And for most of us, like, I don't need six figures to live a life of joy and contentment and peace for myself. I don't. So why am I going to strive for that? Because when I get it, it's not going to change anything about how I'm living my life. I totally agree with that. And I think that's a, that's a huge, important, you know, factor. Cause when I started my business, it was like, I wasn't married yet. Like I, I don't think I had met my husband yet, you know? And so I'm supporting myself. And so I'm out there hustling, you know, trying to support myself and get my business off the ground. And then, you know, now, well, my husband also runs his own business. And so I, we are also like kind of in the feast or famine with his business. Cause he is a se- kind of a seasonal business. He does basketball training. Mm-hmm. So there are times where like, okay, we got to lean heavily on me. Like I need to be the one who's making sure I'm making the money at this time of the year. Cause his business is going to be a little bit lower. And that's kind of how we flow now. But, you know, I think that is a great point because then I also have people who, you know, their spouse has a corporate job and makes a lot of money. So they don't necessarily have to push as hard, nor do they want to, they might just want to have a few clients and that is what fills their cup up. So I think that's a really good point of just knowing like where you're at in that and where that fits into your lifestyle and knowing your number. Cause that one is huge. Cause I chased after six figures for so many years and I'm like, do I really like need this? Do I want yeah, this? You know, and exactly. the answer is, that's not necessarily going to fill me up. So I'd rather have an open day of, you know, going out into the woods because I have a day off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's figuring that out and then accepting yourself for your situation without the guilt, right. Without the feeling of, yeah, but should I be doing this because I'm not doing it all the time, right. I'm not pushing myself 24 mm-hmm. seven everything is a choice and everyone is on a little bit of a different path. And, and I think as women too, it's this feeling of t- tending sometimes to stay in this place of 
feeling shameful or guilty Mm -hmm. that it's like, I'm not doing more. I'm not pushing myself harder. And if you know your situation and you understand what you value, right? Like what you just said, I value my time, my freedom. I'm the same as you. Like I value being able to go to the beach in the afternoon and have, you know, have done things that support me in the morning and not having to, I I don't want to be working like all day into the night. I don't want to be. So it's a choice. I don't think, you know, obviously starting a business is hard work and we have to put in the work and, you know, you have to evaluate that for yourself. But I, I think there is still this misconception sometimes of like, it has to be, you know, really hard and you have to do it a certain way. And then if you have other factors, like you said, say you have a partner that's making money or supporting you in these ways, then, oh, then I'm not as good as this person that like worked really hard to overcome all these things. And and that's not the case. You're on a different path and you can still help people. Right. So putting yourself feeling bad for yourself, I guess, is like a factor that could stop you from actually offering your gifts. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a great conversation, especially if, you know, people were like, a lot of times you hear people talk about money, but they're already like six, you know, figure business owners or seven figure. Now, you know, I'm hearing Mm -hmm. in the online space. And so then you're kind of like, Oh, you know, a, they're assuming everyone wants to be there and B you're like, well, I don't actually want that, need that, nor do I want to do after you just listed out what you had to do to get there. That does not sound exciting. So I think this is a great conversation for people to be like, oh, there are other options. Like we can still have a business. We don't need to like hit six figures and we can still be in quotation successful, whatever that means to you. And so like, I think that's a huge, I mean, this is a great conversation. I think just to have women express this and just share, like, here's reality of running a business. And yeah. It's, I mean, and it can I, be I whatever honest, you make it. Yeah. And I feel like if more people honestly stood in that place, you know, of confidence and in, in, in that place that, that it would become more normalized, you know, I feel like that's the piece of this feeling of uh, what I'm talking about, like a little bit of shame behind that, like, oh, well, I'm not really doing it, or I don't really do it as well as this person, because I'm, that's not my goal. That's not my objective to have that value that amount, or I don't need to have it, you know? So then it's like, should I really be doing it if I don't need it? And it circles a little bit back to that idea of like, should yoga be free? And, Mm -hmm. and no, it shouldn't be free, you know, but there could be times where you choose to offer something out of service, you know what I mean? Without a cost. And that's a choice that you have to make and figure out what, you know, what you're looking for, because it's like anything. It's, it's just, it's a form of transaction that we use in our world. And there's so many ways you can look at it and that you're going to find that there's so many things out there that are going to tell you, you can make this in this amount of time and you can do this and you can have all this. And, and if you want to believe it, you can, but the reality of it is, is that we're all walking our own path and we have to figure it out and everyone's going to be doing it a little bit differently. So if you want to not constantly be banging your head up against the wall, understanding yourself and what's important to you, understanding your numbers, like we said, understanding your value, that's going to be something that you can take with you into every single situation and know, okay, this is for me. This isn't for me, right? That I want to work with this person. I don't want to work with that person. Um, and that would, that's just going to help you overall versus a quick fix, you know, of like learning a funnel system and getting 10,000 followers, you know, like that's not going to fix the core problem. It just looks good on the surface. Mm. Mm. Yes. 
What are some other red flags that you've seen in the industry with maybe yoga and the wellness spiritual community with when it regards to money and finances? Are there anything else that kind of sticks out to you that we haven't talked about? I think, well, one of the things we have sort of mentioned, but I want to just highlight again around like the dialogue being used, mm-hmm. you know, in the yoga industry amongst teachers, um, this sort of scarcity lifestyle and mindset of like, you can't make it, it's hard, you know, no one really makes money. I think those conversations, especially if you're having them within your own mind, mm-hmm. you know, are really not going to help you in the long run, like figuring out like, okay, what is my relationship to it? And knowing like, it, that's not truth that you can't do that. And, and, and also with that, it's like, things have shifted with COVID, you know, with the environment, with the world that we're sitting in. And I think the reality of it is, is that, you know, studios have struggled and are struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are sort of talking about it, but it's also like, I think there are a lot of studios staying open that probably aren't doing well, you know, aren't making profit. Uh, it's a business. That's another piece, right? Like having a yoga studio is a business. So run it like a business. It's not a hobby. It's not just like, I want to help people. And if I don't make profit, I just dump in more of my own money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like, is it, is it a profitable business? And yes, it is for some people. And then for some people it's not. And that yet they're still committed to, the passion of doing it and I get it, but it's not a reason to continue. So I think it's just really checking in with yourself to say like, am I actually making profit? And if I need to be right again, if I need to be, or I need to be in that space and I'm not, then I need to be really clear with myself because I think that those two are really things that I see often, just like not really knowing also being able to know if you are making money, like that's a question that I ask people, like, how do you know? Do you give me your numbers? Like, show me where you have profit. And that's something that's like, well, I don't know. You know, I thought, I think I'm making, well, I teach this many classes, right? Like I'm getting this much money, but I'm like, after all your expenses and everything that you're doing, you're not making any money. So like not even knowing that, not seeing your numbers clearly for yourself. I think when people go through the process and the practice, when I work with them around really breaking down what they have coming in, what they have going out they're, they're able to see clearly, oh, I actually have enough, you know, I'm just spending it in a way that's not supportive or I don't have enough. And so like, how can I figure out how to fill in those gaps? Yeah. I mean, I keep a spreadsheet still, like I just have it like on my computer, like a, just a yes. regular spreadsheet that I made for myself. I don't have QuickBooks. Like I just, I haven't needed that. Like I can kind of manually do it and be mm-hmm. just fine. Um, but I'm not selling a ton of different products where that would be maybe needed, you know? And so that's, it can be that simple where I look at that every month. So I kind of know what's coming in, what's going out, what bills are, you know, happen mm-hmm. yearly. So I make sure that's yeah. already charted. And so everything is taken care of. Um, and so I think that's really, I think really big and if it's, and it's easy, you know, that's an easy thing. You're right. I, that's the basic that I can start with with people is like, you can keep that for yourself. And then over time you have that accountability with yourself to be like, oh, if I needed to cut this, I could Right? everyone has things in their life that are essentially a choice. Um, so you can choose to say, I can go without temporarily or long-term, whatever you need to do. Uh, So I think that that is just that inventory for yourself to say, like, what am I doing throughout the course of my days and my months where I'm actually spending money? Like what and how much am I getting in? Well, I just have one kind of more subject kind of broach of being mindful with your money. 
do you have any tips for people to kind of bring in that mindfulness piece around, around what they're spending, what they're, um, you know, kind of bringing in all of the things. Yeah. I love that because I do think there is that component of being really mindful with money, you know, being really mindful with what you're spending. And so what I would recommend is to, to check in with your body, you know, when you spend money, that's a simple practice. I offer people is whether you run a credit card or you pay when you're actually doing the transaction, Mm -hmm. take a moment to really pause and feel what's going on in your body. Be cognizant of what you're doing. So it doesn't just become a subconscious behavior that you're just like, okay, I pay for this. I pay for that. So you're stopping to really check with yourself. Is this something that, that I really want, or am I just going through the motions? So I think that that is really a, I've found it to be a, um, a great practice for people initially to say like, okay, where am I spending? Why am I spending it? And checking in, in that moment and then coming back to it and reevaluating. And that, you know, that's, that's being mindful of how you're spending, how you're using money. And the same can be said about how you receive money. I do want to put that out there being mindful when we are getting paid for services, when we are receiving money to really accept that and embrace it as you know, I am trained. I do this work. I'm receiving compensation for what I'm doing, not, oh, I only made this much or it doesn't really matter. It's just this, you know? So I think that's another way in that receiving transaction to pause and say, oh, like I received this money for the work that I'm doing because of how I'm showing up. So there's two sides to that, that I think are really instrumental in the mindful component of figuring out for yourself, um, how you sit, sit with money, you know, how you, what you feel when you look at your bank account, Mm -hmm. if you do, if you look at it at all, some people don't. So that's a practice of checking in and saying like, can I look at this and be okay with where I'm at and know that I can change it if I need to, but not avoiding, not in that avoidance place of not looking at it at all. Oh yeah. I mean, I can really, yeah. I mean, there was years when I was by myself. I'm like, oh gosh, do I want to look? I don't know if I want to (laughs) look. So many people, it surprises me, I guess, sometimes where I'm just like that simple thing. They're like, oh, I started to look at my bank account and now I feel a little bit better, you know, that I can see what's there. And I, you know, sometimes it's so interesting, you know, for the work that you do, probably like things that you do that are so ingrained and disciplined that you've just never had as many challenges with. So it's like, okay, I've always done that and have this really, um, awareness to it, but for someone else, that's a really instrumental piece that they can say, wow, that really allowed me to have more perspective on what I have. Totally. I mean, that was, I read Kate Northrup's money, a love story. Cause when I met my husband, I was like, oh, he's not very good with money. And so I was like, okay, I, but at the time I was like, I'm running a business. But I don't really necessarily know what I'm doing. So I was like, one of us has to be somewhat decent at this. And so that's where I was like, okay, I'll take it upon myself. And so I read her book and then I took some courses on, I think creative live. They did some great courses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to be paying myself. Cause I had no idea when I'm, you know, I'm like, how much do you pay yourself as a business owner? Like right. what percentages, all taxes, all of the things. And so like they broke it down. I was like, oh, this is great. And so I did that for so many years. I followed that formula, you know, and I still almost do to this day of like breaking it down to those percentages. And I think having those things in place where again, I didn't when I first started, cause I didn't know, right. I didn't know that yeah. this is, I just kind of paid myself, whatever, you know, I'm like, do I need money? 
okay, let me write myself a check. And yeah. so now, you know, I much, you know, I have a system and my husband has a system with his business on when he pays, uh, you know, us and all of those things. I think that sound really simple and maybe basic to people if they don't have a business. When you first start, those are definite like question marks. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do I do? So, you know, don't feel, bad small. Yeah. don't feel bad if that's exactly. you where you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Start small. Just start with what, you know, you know, the simple things like you're saying, and then you know, all the other stuff you can ask for help if you need it, you know, the tax stuff. And if you want to invest and you want to take, you know, but, but just being aware of your own numbers, how much you have in and out, like that's the simplest thing you can do and like where you want to be, you know, and and those three things allow you to set the foundation, right. The strong foundation to be really clear. And then everything that's on top of that just becomes a decision, something that you can choose differently. I love that. Well, if people want to connect with you, Amanda, where can they find you on your website? Any social media that you prefer? Yeah. So I am, um, you can go to my website. It's amandastroni.com. So it's my last name is spelled S T R O J N Y.com. It's a little weird spelling. So I like <laughs> to put that out there. Everything can be found on my website. I am on Instagram as well. Um, and Facebook and, also, I have a community, uh, untappedpower.net. I run a podcast as well, which Andrea, you've been on a beautiful episode. So if you're interested as your yoga teacher and you want to check that out, I do interviews with people on different ways in which they've um, learned to become successful in their own way and navigated the industry. So it, it could be inspiring and just give you some ideas to think about. So that's something to check out. And then untappedpower.net is a community that you can join for free. If you're interested um, in joining, you can just go to that, that link and get yourself signed up. Perfect. Well, I just have one final question for you. So I always like to throw out a weekly challenge to the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out the challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week for people? I forgot to prep you with that question. No, I love that question. (laughs) I want to challenge people to, to think about their relationship to money. Every time they spend money to really sit in their body and to think about how that feels and to either write it down or make a note of it. And then at the end of the week, evaluate, um, if they notice any shifts and how they chose to spend money or, or do things differently. So just taking that, that pause between transactions of, because we have them all day, every day we're spending money or receiving money both. And just feeling that in the body and noticing any patterns or things that are showing up and really just keeping a track of it. And again, like I said, noticing if there's anything that could be done differently shifted, um, throughout just the course of a week, just try it for a week and see what happens. Yeah. that. So I love it. And I'll do it with you. I'm going to do, I mean, I've done it. I do it pretty regularly, but I feel like I'll just be more conscious. And I love that, that idea. So this week, um, you know, going forward with it. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I've done it before, like with food, that's, you know, a nutrition practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Oh, I've never done that with money. You know, there are sometimes at target where I'm just like, Oh gosh, just take the card. I don't want to feel right. And we don't even think about it. We just don't, you know, it's like, Oh, coffee here. So being That's aware and, yeah. and noticing if you don't pay for it, like you may stop and not do it because you've actually just taken the time to be more conscious. So, you know, that that's a good learning, a good practice. And about who you're supporting. I'm like, I'd rather support like the mom and pop coffee shop first, right? You know, your, your caribou, your Starbucks. So that's kind of a nice 
little thing too, to be like, Ooh, do I want to go here or can I go somewhere else? So I love that. Yeah. Well, thank thank you, you. Andrea. It's been great. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It was so, so wonderful to hear. So everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.